For over 28 years, Aflac has been a champion, donating over $168 million to fight pediatric cancer and blood disorders, including sickle cell disease. This December, Aflac proudly joins 97.1 Wash FM and Children's National Hospital for the annual Wash for Kids Radiothon. Mark your calendars for December 14th and 15th for a heartwarming 14-hour live broadcast where you can join Aflac in their efforts to support the miracle work happening at Children's National. Save the date, tune in, and be a part of something extraordinary with Aflac. I'm Christopher Sabat, the voice of Vegeta, Piccolo, Yamcha, and a few others on Dragon Ball Z. And the Geek Show is over 9,000! It's that time of the fortnight yet again. It's time for Science and Tech, the scratch and sniff of Science and Tech podcasts. We are the Geek Show. I am Rob, and also here today is either Prob or Newsreader Rob, or whatever he wants to go by today. It's his choice. Well, I thought it was your turn to have a different name. It is this time. This time I've got... I wanted you to introduce yourself first before I started introducing sort of flighty concepts. Well, so, I've hello. Been, yeah, I've introduced myself. Yeah. Um, if you've not listened before, because there's two Robs on the show and it gets a bit confusing, we decided to adopt something from another podcast and take on a pseudonym. So this time, I am Falcon Sandwich. <laughs> what? Her first name... Her, her. Her, her first name is Falcon. Her surname is Sandwich. She's from the Great Sandwich Dynasty. <laughs> and she was banned from archery classes because she kept on dressing up as Rambo and shooting vending machines. <laughs> so there's a little bit of a, a life story about Falcon Sandwich. It's what happens when, you know, you get inbred of high society. They just do weird things. <laughs> <laughs> this is uh, I'm not going to comment on the truth of that. Because I know exactly how true it is. So, you know, what I just did there was satire. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Anyway, we've got all sorts to cover today, so we're going to dive straight in. Um, also, Robocop will make an appearance in this episode at some point. Is it Japanese Robocop? Because long-term listeners will remember that Japanese Robocop is kind of a jerk. No, 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 this isn't Japanese Robocop. no. No, but Robocop will make an appearance at some point in this episode. See if you can guess where. Right. Okay. Starting off with the big technology news. The big technology news is Huawei versus the US government. Right? My my dad pronounces them as Huey, and it bugs me every single time he does that. Yeah. Um, <sighs> Huawei has been accused by the US government of spying for the Chinese government, Huawei's saying it hasn't done that. Canada has agreed to extradition of whatever, you know. But it's all getting really, really... Sorry, hang on. Sorry, my headphones just popped. Uh, It's all getting really, really um, serious now because Huawei have turned around and said, right, since the US government is deciding that we're somehow involved in spying and wants to sanction us because of Donald Trump's trade war because apparently trade wars are good, we're going to sue the US government. Oh, wow. I mean, there's a history of this sort of stuff. I mean, Samsung, a few years ago, people love Samsung. But they forget that Samsung were actually found guilty of bribing the Korean government to get preferential treatment. Yeah, but the thing is... I think their previous head is actually serving a prison sentence. Yeah, but the thing is, uh, the US government is claiming that Huawei is spying for for the Chinese government. Huawei are saying... You have no evidence of this. Um, uh, it was the, I think it was the Korean president, actually. But, yeah, yeah it was a big hurrah. But the fact is that this thing happens. Yeah. Yes. You know, copy, corporate espionage is a thing. We know that. 
But, I'm not suggesting that Huawei are guilty. Yeah, I'm not suggesting the fact Huawei that it's, are guilty. It's gone to this extent. It's insane. Thing is, um, the US and five uh, and other Five Eyes nations have alleged since 2012 that Huawei poses a national security threat to the West, especially if it's allowed to build critical 5G infrastructure around the world. But the national security concerns that the American intelligence agencies are levelling at, at Huawei are actually mostly hypothetical. Yeah, I mean, this is a company which has evolved a great deal. I mean, uh, the Chinese mobile industry is not just some little rinky-dink operation of organizations that copy off bigger organizations. Yeah. It's the biggest mobile phone market in the pl- on the planet. They're eating the way we're making um, all sorts of things with innovation, all sorts. And they've it started off as that rinky-dink thing, which just cop- uh, stole ideas and put their own badge on it. Yeah. It's not a rinky-dink organization anymore. They've grown to be a like, huge mon- monolith of an organization. Like, major deal in India, major deal here in the UK now. So the very idea that they're involved in sort of whatever American government are accusing them of, you can't grow at that size. Yeah. But the and thing doing is, that, really. I mean, you'd be caught on the first... You'd, you'd have tripped up years ago if they did that sort of thing. Here's the thing. The Five Eyes countries, right? This is the Five Eyes countries. The US, the UK, Canada, Australia, and New Zealand. That is the Five Eyes countries, so... The major countries in Europe aren't involved in this. The major countries in South America and in Africa and in Asia aren't involved in this. Russia isn't involved in this. So yeah. basically, it's it's all the countries that are directly um, spawned from the old empire. This is a this is a thing, right? American political establishment. I've had this thing for oh, forever. Where they have to be scared of things that they perceive as threat, like Russia. They yeah. had like a major deal with Russia with like communism and whatnot, because they perceived it as a threat. And now this, like, they have to. Ha- there has to be somebody, doesn't there? Do you know what I reckon it is? Right? And imagine before Japan, like, uh, before Russia, there was Japan as well with the remnants of the Second World War and what happened yeah. there. Yeah, but the thing is, Japan was a beaten nation, and they've had American troops stationed there for decades. Yeah, was, Okinawa is like a yeah, and, big, big place for that. Yeah, it's a big place for it. And uh, there's, you know, the American air base in Okinawa, yes, it does contribute to the economy, but it also uh, causes all sorts of problems as well. So, Yeah, but know. the thing is, they've got a finger-pointy sort of attitude, haven't they, in the American government? Well, the thing is, the American government... See, this is the problem with this case. The Because of the hypothetical nature of the alleged security threat posed by Huawei, right? And the fact that the American intelligence agencies haven't gone into specifics, they refuse to talk specifics. And Huawei have said, well, what specifically are you talking about? But the American uh, the American government keeps saying, you know what you did. It's like some schoolyard, you know, retort. <laughs> you, know, you know what you've done. You know what you're capable of. We don't need to explain that. So Huawei now... By doing by it's defamation, isn't it? It's yeah. Defamation of character. Well, it it is kind of see what Huawei are trying to do. They're bringing forth this lawsuit that uh, could theoretically force the U.S. government to state its case publicly, and Huawei would essentially be calling the U.S. government's bluff if U.S. officials couldn't point to specifics. That's interesting. You know, so it's an interesting move on Huawei's part, and uh, uh, I I am going to be watching this uh, with uh, a lot of interest because. It's got it's got a lot of things going for it. This uh, I reckon 
if the US government can't come up with specifics, then, you know, this or refuse to, then this is basically Huawei's in the bag. And I honestly think there's a part of, me, part of my brain that's saying this is because of Apple, because Apple are basically pricing themselves out of the market and Huawei are an up-and-coming competitor. The thing and, is, you can't really get Huawei's that readily in America. Yeah. You have to import them. Yeah. It's just a bonkers story. It is. It is a bonkers story, but, you know. It's just kind of like an equiv- equivalent of old man shouts at cloud because he's scared of new cloud. So what's new cloud doing over there? That shouldn't be over there. I don't like this new cloud. It you, scares me. You do realise you've just described the last couple of years of Donald Trump's presidency. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Funnily enough, yeah. So anyway. That new, new cloud is telling lies. <laughs> it's a fake cloud. <laughs> Um, anyway, moving on, uh, a bit of good news in the search for a replacement to the space shuttle. Uh, Elon Musk's SpaceX, the uh, Dragon spacecraft, successfully docked with the International Space Station, and it didn't use the docking arm, which was uh, a slightly risky move, you know, but uh, it's good news for the three astronauts who are residing in the station, and there was a chance that the uh, dr- the Dragon crew... Uh, which Russian space operators warned uh, did not have a backup docking system would fail to successfully attach to the station. But it has successfully attached to the station, proving uh, it's basically proof of concept, you know. Um, I agree. Well, this is one of those stories that actually is uh, is actually beneficial to us. See, uh, it's like Formula One. You know, with Formula One racing, a lot of the technology they develop eventually cascades down into normal commercial cars. Not normal, but yeah, sure. Well, high-end commercial cars, and then as time progresses, it it becomes more and more affordable, and cheaper cars then get it. Like electric windows, for example, right? Uh, Like um, ABS. ABS, stuff like that. Um, ABS is a better example. But ABS used to only be on high-end cars, but now it's kind of standard on most cars, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, power steering. Or yeah, power like steering is the other big one. And that's what I'm saying. Um, what people don't realize is that uh, a lot of the technologies that we use now as commonplace things have come from things like Formula One or space or space exploration, stuff like that. <clears throat> mm. And so this sort of thing is something that I watch with interest because it gives, me, it gives you an idea of what sort of technology we might be talking about in the future. Now, okay... This might not be as big on the technological front as on the tourism front. So, what is it? A docking arm? No, uh, basically, the Dragon spacecraft created by SpaceX docked successfully with the International Space Station without using the docking arm. That makes no sense. I don't. I don't I have the no docking concept arm, of what you're saying. Basically, the docking arm on the on the ISS, right? It's designed to basically guide a spacecraft properly to the docking point and so it can attach firmly and securely. You see, without using the docking arm, you're relying on the uh, on the pilot's controls and the actual aircraft, uh, on the actual spacecraft itself. And the potential for an accident to happen is maximised. And an accident in space is something that you don't really want. Uh, yeah. Can we move on? This story confuses me. I think it's a big deal. But anyway, okay. It's we established this last week that that you really like your sci-fi and yeah okay okay something that you're gonna like that is total science fiction then right do you remember Predator the original film and all the other Predator films yeah as far as I say it there's only one Predator movie yeah the first one um 
But in Predator, he had, like, thermal vision, didn't he? Yeah. Now, if you could get thermal vision, would you have it? What's the point of it, though? I'm just asking, would you have it? I've had an actual active purpose for using it rather than just being a creepy stalkerton. Then, yeah, but it's it's finding that active use, isn't it? What's the active use for it as, well, as a civilian? I, I, I don't know. I'm just asking, would you have it if you had access to it? I mean, if you had, a, if I had like, a cat and I don't know where the cat was, it was hiding, then, yeah. Well, here's the thing. A research team led by uh, Tianzhu of uh, the University of Science and Technology of China and Gang Han from the University of Massachusetts Medical School have successfully modified the vision of mice so that they're able to see near-infrared light in addition to retaining their natural ability to see normal light. And How they, do they know that, though? Well, they've done various tests that prove that the these mice can basically see uh, infrared. They can see, like, it's like thermal imaging, I suppose. And uh, they've done, like, various biological tests and various actual physical tests. Oh, I found, like, a practical use of it. Oh. Nighttime, obviously. Yeah. But the thing is, it wouldn't, it, you know, you won't be scared to go out on the street at night because you could see everything perfectly. Yeah. You could see everybody. You'd, you'd, have, be, you'd have predator vision. Yeah, so you could, like, jump up in trees and make, I can see you with that weird croaky voice, that weird croaky synthesized voice. Yeah. And that crackling you. at people. <laughs> They've actually done it by injecting special nanoparticles into the eyes of the mice, though. And that's Ooh, the bit where I draw the line. Yeah, there's that scene in Dead Space, isn't there? Yeah. Uh, Dead Space 2. Yep. Which is stabby, stabby eye time. But, but there is that thing, you know, where people are having sort of biological, not biological, we are biological, we're having implants, implants in their, in their hands so, like, they can open doors just by putting their hand in front of it. Yeah. Like, charge, uh, like, money on a card. Oh, yeah. With just putting your hand in front of, like, the chip and pin machine. So there is sort of precedence for, like, changing people changing how we interact with the world and sort of technology it's kind of going all Cronenberg-y yeah yeah absolutely um, as long as I don't wake up one morning with like a videotape slot in my stomach I'm fine yeah here's the thing moving on do you like red meat not really <laughs> is that your next story <laughs> no the, the reason I'm asking is because uh, loads of people do like red meat but there's been a thing for many years we've known about this thing for many years it's called the alpha gal syndrome and you get it from ticks right and it what the alpha gal syndrome is well if you get a bite from a tick uh, it can cause an immune response to it can cause you to have an immune response to a sugar molecule called alpha gal and most mammals have alpha-gal in their muscles. Humans don't, and other primates don't, for example, but cows and stuff like that do. Here's the thing. The tick, because it, causes, because it can cause this response, can basically make you allergic to red meat. Okay. Now, they've known about this for years, but it's only recently, it's literally really recently, they've found out that... Uh, because they thought these are sporadic cases, you know, no one's really going to be affected by them. But they've actually discovered now that getting the alpha-gal syndrome might be a lot easier than anyone ever first realized. Because it seems like there's a delay in the reaction. So you could have had a tick bite, you know, yesterday or years ago, and it's just stayed dormant. And then all of a sudden, almost overnight, you'll be allergic to red meat. Um, that's intriguing, I guess. 
it, it's a it's a bizarre thing, isn't it? Because this actual the alpha gal syndrome, it's quite literally the only food allergy in existence where it's based on uh, it's not based on a protein allergy. Every other food allergy we have uh, that humans can get is based on a protein. This is the only one that isn't. Getting very science heavy this week, aren't we? Yeah. But the thing is, the hypersensitivity is actually it's the same as if somebody has a, a an allergy to peanuts. They can have anaphylactic shocks. They can have hives and breathing difficulties, that sort of thing. It's a weird world that we live in for um, allergies, food types and whatnot. Because mm. when I was growing up, you didn't really hear of it. Like Yeah. In the 90s, when I grew up in the 90s, early 90s, you didn't hear of allergies or people dying of allergies because of incompetence, sandwich chains, not labelling stuff properly. Yeah. You just didn't hear that stuff. Yeah. But um, in the last 10 years, like food allergies, just no, I'm not saying it never it wasn't there beforehand, but definitely in the last 10 years or so, it's just gone through the roof as, about, as far as how much you hear of it and how many people have it. Well, you know, one of the theories behind that is, uh, you know, the antibacterial fluids like Milton fluid and, uh, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. Because we kill, because we, you know, so many people are uh, using these fluids to kill, back, to kill like all bacteria. Some of the bacteria that actually is beneficial to us is getting killed as well. And some of the bacteria that we basically need to build up immunity to certain conditions is also being killed. Yeah, I mean, I'm not allergic to any food. Fair enough. I don't like tuna. <laughs> Beyond that, <laughs> yeah. But is it <laughs> is, is it is it the canned tuna you don't like, or is it the actual fresh tuna? Because if it's fresh tuna, then you know there's something weird about you. I went to a party as a kid, and they had like little triangle square, like little triangle sandwiches, and like, they built make up a square. I remember taking one, not knowing what it is. And then eating a tuna sandwich and having to go home because I felt sick. Are you sure it wasn't because of the mayonnaise in the sandwich? I don't know whether mayonnaise was there. Mayonnaise is tuna and mayonnaise is is the usual thing you find in sandwiches. It's just greasy mayonnaise. I don't like greasy food. It makes yeah, me. But that that's what I mean. It could have been the mayonnaise. It might not have been the tuna at all. I mean, all these years I've been saying tuna is basically a abomination on all things walking on this earth. When it could have just been a bad sandwich. Yeah, it could have just been the mayonnaise. I know your reaction to mayonnaise. You don't like mayonnaise at all. I'm not alone in it. It's greasy food, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is. It is. But at some point, maybe I'll treat you to fresh tuna and you'll change your tune. Maybe. Maybe. But yeah, it just doesn't happen, does it? It happens a lot more now than it does. And this story suggesting that people could get uh, allergic to red meat just like that. Well, Just like that. Just like that. (laughs) The bizarre thing is... See, this is the bizarre thing. They still don't know why exactly why ticks can cause alpha-gal syndrome. They've been researching it for years, and they still can't pinpoint the exact reason why. And ticks, by their nature, you know, you'll find ticks on most, uh, you know, on on animals in general. Wild animals, yeah. Well, not just wild animals. You can get them on your on your house pets if you don't look after your house pets properly. Yeah, that's the key, isn't it? Lord? Don't look after. Yeah, but the thing is. Um, most people do look after their pets properly, which is fine. Yes. Anyway, moving on, moving on. Bit of Star Wars news. Is this going to be another thing where I have nothing to say and have to improvise on the spot? No, it's not. You know, the French really like fencing. Well, I wouldn't like the comment. They do. You know this. 
it, fencing is is a big sport in France. Maybe not in a lot of other countries, but in France definitely. It's like handball in Scandinavian countries or corfball mm. as it's called, I believe. You know, you, uh, like football in England. Football is the big sport in England, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, like curling in Canada and Scotland, and that's all here. Yeah, and hockey in Canada and uh, and Norway and places like that. We don't really do ice hockey in this country, do we? I've seen a game, but I wouldn't really call that doing it as a sport. Yeah, but in France, they like fencing. And so the younger generation of French who grew up with Star Wars have been mm. taking classes in lightsaber dueling, and it's now recognised as a competitive sport in France. Oh, no. Oh, no, Rob. <laughs> no. Pardon the language I'm using here, but that's like those stupid nerds running around the field saying they're playing Quidditch, isn't it? Not quite, because in this, you actually have to wear... This is basically the what they've done with the lightsaber dueling in France... They've approached it more like traditional kendo and traditional fencing. Oh, that's fencing. fine, but that, that, that Quidditch stuff that you see. Yeah. It's just embarrassing. Yeah. With this lightsaber dueling, if you've ever seen any of the lightsaber dueling that they that is now classed as a sport, it relies a lot on kind of acrobatics and flourishes that have no actual purpose in combat. I'm thinking it's sort of like a street dance caparate where a sort of parkour sort of inspired stuff in the movements um kind but of with a yeah. sword in hand kind of yeah like capoeira with a sword basically or a sword that's, that's, that's cool or a sword that glows in the dark i should say yeah i'm sorry to pick on the the quidditch thing but it just bugs me it's embarrassing yeah the quidditch thing is a totally different thing but i mean uh what they're pushing for, now that it's recognised as a sport in France, they're actually wanting it to be recognised in other countries as well. Until what, are the, what, what they're referring to it as, though? It's, light, think, it's lightsaber dueling. I think if they call it lightsaber dueling, they'll have a hard time, but yeah. if they call it something else, it, it'll be easier. Yeah, but they they're, the ultimate goal is to have it as an Olympic sport. Well, I think the fact that, what was it, street dance has become... Breakdancing. Break yeah, that's, that's not a sport. It shouldn't be in the Olympics, I don't think. Oh, I don't know. Breakdown. It should be. It should be recognised. Yes, by all means. But the Olympics. That's not an Olympic sport. Well, the there's thing... no other dancing in the Olympics. So what? why is that in the Olympics? If you have that dancing and you have to have all dancing in. Whoa, 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 whoa! Hang on, hang on, hang on. When you say there's no other dancing in the Olympics, have you seen that weird stuff that they do with the twirly ribbon or the ball? Yeah, I know. But that's like if you have like break dancing in, you have to have all dancing in. And they took out rest. They were threatened to take out wrestling, like old fashioned. Oh, the Greco-Roman wrestling. Yeah, yeah. So I think the Olympics. Are, I mean, if they want to be acknowledged by the Olympics, that's just sort of further cementing that the Olympics isn't really caring about sort of history honoured sports, and it's just trying to do what's cool to get the kids in. Yep. Yes, and that it bugs is. me. I mean, there's nothing wrong with break dancing. It's a fantastic art, but it's not an Olympic sport. This is true. That's all. So the same is true of this as well, this lightsaber fencing. It's not an Olympic sport. This is true. This is true. This is true. Anyway, I, have no problem with, I have no problem with either of them, but it's just trying to get things in the Olympics. is just, it shouldn't be. The Olympics should be sort of solid and what it is for yep. like generations, not in hundreds of years even. Yeah, yeah. I, but, I mean, when you get right down to it, let's, let's be fair. Most Olympic sports make no sense. I mean... Uh, the hammer throw, for example. 
We have a we have a round ball on the end of a chain. I'm going to see how far you can throw it. What is the yeah. current modern day purpose of that? If somebody steals something from you yeah, and you really need to get them, but you can't throw something far enough, or so the, you need or, something heavy, or, but you need the I, the javelin. I can understand, but the discus, seriously, it's like weighted frisbee throwing. The the triple jump. Are you telling me people are going to do the triple jump? Yeah, no, but they're like spots at hundreds of years old, aren't they? Uh, yeah, or the high jump, even. No, sorry, no, not even the high. Uh, yeah, the high jump, not even the pole vault. The high jump, just the high jump. If you hundreds try of jumping years over old spots, Rob, hundreds it, of years old. It's like putting parkour in the Olympics. It's ridiculous. Yeah, but can you imagine if somebody tried to do here's, a high here, jump over here's a wall? The thing. If you want to celebrate these spots, I think stuff like the X Games should be. Bit more open and expressive about what it includes, rather than just sort of yeah. traditional extreme sports, because that is the place these things should be. Okay, Not the Olympics, okay, the X fine. Games are where these things should be. Fine. What I would love to see is more traditional sports then from around the world in the Olympics. So yeah. why not have kabaddi in there? Nothing wrong with that, no. Or sumo. Yeah, exactly. Get them stuff. <laughs> the X Games. The X Games should incorporate more modern sports. Yes. Not just skateboard and snowboard and rollerblade and biking stuff like that. Lightsaber dueling can be in the X Games. It'd be it fit perfectly in there. Yes, it would. Perfect. It'd be yeah. a nice little palate cleanser from all the board and jumpy jumps. Yeah. Um. So. So uh, yeah, I've got something constructive to say. I wasn't just bashing it. <laughs> I know. I know. Okay. Right. We mentioned France, and so we we rarely have Brexit stories on this show. Rarely. Oh, must, rarely. Must we? Yeah, because you're going to love this one. Aww. Right, you know how everybody is stockpiling for Brexit? Well, not everybody, but people are, yeah. Yeah, people. there there are people who are really panic-stricken. They think the world's going to end. They've got, like, bunkers of, full of food and stuff like that. Well, there are also companies who are stockpiling. Yeah, I've heard that as well. Yeah, and in an interview, the CEO of a particular company revealed that the company has been taking some precautions... Um, before the country potentially goes over the edge of a cliff. Which company is it? No Would idea. Would you like to guess? It's Lego, and they've been stockpiling bricks. That's, that's nonsense. <laughs> so I watched a documentary a few years ago where it said, yeah, but the thing is, they're producing more, st- more bricks than they can actually sell. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it, there's no logic to it. Yeah. According to the Lego CEO, Niels B. Christensen, who did an interview with uh, Brickset, uh, <laughs> not Brexit, Brickset. Just accidentally. <laughs> I hope Brexit will not, have a success, will not have a significant impact, but it is very difficult to say at the moment. We have been taking some precautions by placing additional stock in the UK, but it is challenging to make, to make any precautions. Of course, I am crossing my fingers that there will be little change after Brexit. But Lego bricks. Yeah, that most important thing that we need to stockpile. It's like, oh, no, um, I've got all my food. Right? I've got all my water. What do I need next? Um, clothes are okay. I don't need any more of them. That should be fine. Uh, petrol, I'm fine. Lego. Yeah. <laughs> Let's be Lego. Because when you- times are hard, you hunker down in your own little Lego base, don't you, obviously? Yeah. Yes, you do. He's kind of overestimating the importance of his brand, isn't he? Uh, a little bit, yeah. I mean, Lego are one of the most uh, established and recognised uh, toy companies on the face of the planet. Yep. Much to the point where they've got like a very successful movie franchise based off their stuff. Yep. 
But the idea that people panic by Lego is wonderful. <laughs> I know. I'm not going to call him an idiot because, you know, he's he's just too wonderful. It, it's it's so hopeful, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's, it's just, if you listen to this abroad, you won't hear the, the, the main stories of what's happening in this country. But it's bleak, the news. Yeah. It's very bleak. People don't know what to do. People are panicking. People are worried about the future, about how they're going to feed themselves and all that and all that. So it's very overwhelming. It's very... It's just not a particularly pleasant environment in this country at the moment. But you get a story like this, and you think, ah, it's not all bad, is it? Yeah, it's not all bad. Um, the interesting thing is, you mentioned panic buying, uh, right? And that kind of ties in with the next story. Right, Amazon... Back in 2016 here in the UK, and even further back in time for the US, introduced something rather odd, which... um, Delivery drones? No, no, no. Uh, They introduced something rather odd. It was a a thing they introduced that cost £4.99, and uh, you basically got your money back on, you know, uh, as a discount on your first order using this system. You remember the Amazon Dash buttons? Vaguely, yeah. Right, that nobody ever used because nobody was desperate enough for, like, more Nerf form things or, you know, more boxes of raisins or, you know, more toasters or whatever it is. Yeah. Right. So nobody ever bothered with the Amazon Dash buttons that I know of. I don't know if you know know of anyone who had an Amazon Dash button for something. Well, I forgot all about it. Never mind anything else. Yeah, and... Just like everyone else, I forgot about it as well. Amazon have decided to discontinue the dash button. Again, they're really overestimating their own importance, aren't they? <laughs> exactly. I mean, uh, I used to get these pop-up adverts, these pop-up alerts saying, you can also have a dash button for this. I'm like, I only want one of these, though. <laughs> Why do I want a dash button for it? You know, how many <sighs> microphones do you think I'm going to use, or how many cables do you think I need? Well, I don't think Amazon are all that in touch with reality, are they? I mean, the dash buttons that they've got, just just from Amazon, they've got some for Anchor and Smartree, Amazon Basics and Fellows. So you've got, like, uh, various dash buttons that allow you to instantly reorder certain things. But I've just bought a Bluetooth speaker from a particular company, right? Yeah. I could get a dash button for that company so I can re- instantly reorder another Bluetooth speaker. Why would I want to do that when I've already got a Bluetooth speaker? Uh I think it's for smaller things, maybe. Do you see what I mean, though? But they never distinguish between the small things and the big things. Exactly. If it was, like, batteries, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, because batteries are constantly being used. You might want to quickly order some more. Like, things that are replenishable or or food or whatnot. Yeah, see, here's where the other problem with the dash button was. You have an Amazon app on your phone. Yeah. (laughs) What are you more likely to take with you wherever you go? A dash button or a phone? Exactly, you just press, like, order again. Yeah. And there you go, done. <laughs> it's not rocket science. It's taken Amazon two years? I think Amazon have got to that place where they've become so successful so quick, they've actually gone a little bit insane. Yep. It does happen. Yeah, it, it does, does it does, it does. Anyway, 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 um, <sighs> moving on, to, we're heading into the stranger territory of the news now. Um... Do you remember Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind? I do indeed. Right. Very interesting film. 
very interesting point to the film. But you know when you break up with somebody, you usually have loads of photos of you and your your former other half, right? Yeah. <laughs> there is now a new online service called Edit My Ex, which means that you don't need to get rid of those photos. You can simply send them to Edit My Ex and they will they will somehow magically remove your former other half from your photos so you can keep your photos. Well, personally, I'm not much of a photo taker, so it's of no consequence to me. But with some people, they can't do anything without taking a photo of it, can they? So, See, the the funny thing about this is... Uh, they, that, they're cataloguing their memories as well. Yeah, they are cataloguing their memories. But the funny thing about this is some of the photos that they've basically uh, shown to highlight what they're talking about, right? Well... <laughs> I look at them and I'm like nobody's nobody's that happy. All right. The thing that the thing that I find funny about this is it's so obvious that uh, the edit my ex thing they've actually photoshopped a separate second person into the photo after the photo has been taken. All right. The first one it just looks like sort of the pictures you get from um, sort of a factory photo website. Yeah, but I mean, if you look at the photo, right? If you look at the photo, the they've basically photoshopped the guy into the photo rather than photoshopping him out, haven't they? Yeah, the first one is like a girl holding the photo, the camera. She's obviously in the camera on the photo, like a guy doing like a peace sign behind him, behind her. Sorry, yeah, and it just looks very. All I've done is sort of rejiggered the proportions so there's lots of dead space in the picture. Just bung in a a goofy guy. But the thing is, they basically swapped the uh, order of the photos around, so it looks like the guy has been photoshopped out. Mm. And the pictures they've used aren't like the very highly polished and produced photos. Mm. It's not like random photos on a sweaty Tuesday afternoon. These are where you hired in models to <laughs> look as slick. Yep. Which makes me think that they're not capable of doing it. They're not capable of doing the job properly. I mean, because the picture has to be sort of like perfectly lit and proportioned. For them to be able to do it, if it's just like some sort of cheap old picture in a, in a pub in the middle of nowhere where it's really dark, are they really going to be able to sort that photo out? No, no, they're not. I mean, uh, if you look at it, uh, especially on that first photo, if you look at the uh, haystack behind the behind the uh, woman, it's far too detailed. If you removed the image of somebody from that, you would have obvious discrepancies there, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, the person's been removed. Yeah. That that's that camera didn't catch what was behind that person. Yeah. So it's I don't know how they've done it, but it's kind of pointless. Yep. Um, I mean, the point is, people take a lot of pictures with people that they have relationships with. Um, I can only assume because I don't do it. I'm not a big photo taker. It's to catalogue what's happened, catalogue the relationships they've had, catalogue the people that they spent time with. Yeah. You've got to have like a really nasty breakup to want to remove. All of the image, all of the sort of pictorial evidence that you ever with that person, whilst also keeping the photo. Yeah, that's not a large amount of people, frankly, is it? No, it's not. It's not. Um, anyway, moving on, something else that's kind of fake as well. A while ago, we were talking about uh, how uh, China was developing uh, news anchors for uh, their state-run news agency Xinhua, and they had these male. Uh, artificially intelligent news anchors who were basically computer generated and now them, yeah. yeah now they've debuted their newest news anchor Jin Xiaomeng 
who is uh, a CG AI newsreader who's female and will make her, in inverted commas, professional debut as a news anchor this month. Okay. And it's a bizarre thing. I mean, uh, I can understand in China, the state-run media, obviously they they want total control and what's better for control than having something that you know runs on an operating system rather than human emotion yeah um the people know that it's ai though are they going to watch the news thinking oh there's that woman i like that woman people are probably going to watch it going oh there's that woman i like that woman i don't get me wrong the cg is very very good but it's kind of almost too good if that makes sense it makes you think that you know Basically, I look at this and I think they're saying it's uh, they're saying it's an artificially a CG uh, character created with an artificial intelligence inside it, but is it like that weird Russian robot where it was actually a guy in a robot suit, but they claimed it was the most advanced robot in Russia? Well, it looks like an actual person, yeah. But there's a video underneath it. Let's have a look at the video because being in still and being in motion are two very very yeah. different things, aren't they? Yes, they are. Yeah, it's Uncanny Valley. It looks... It's very lifelike, but it's just slightly weird. It yep. looks like there's something slightly wrong. Yep. It's just there's no emotion on its face whatsoever. Mm. And that's... I don't know, newsreaders aren't supposed to have emotion, but, you know, there's a person there, so the remoting, the explaining things, and... That's how you sort of attach yourself to the personalities of these people. You have your favourite newsreaders, you have your favourite weather people, you know, because there's some personality there. And I don't mean personality in the way that they do the terrible banter. Hmm. I'm not asking for terrible banter from my Chinese AIs, <laughs> because local news is already too much for me Yes, on that regard. But, you know, it's just that. I don't think... You, I think you just turn the channel over and find a different user out yeah. of it. Because that's what that's what people pick on the new the news channel that they stick with. It's not because they like the channel; it's because they like the newsreaders. If they don't like the newsreaders, they just won't bother. Yep. So it's an awful lot of expense for nothing, really. Yep. The weird, th- the bizarre thing is the way you've described that whole story kind of ties in with our next story, which also involves in expressionless faces and artificial intelligence. Yes. There's a startup in the UK that's come up with an interesting solution to the problem of coming second in a beauty contest, right? Um, the temptation is to blame the judging panel for bias, right? If you if you come second in a beauty contest. But that... Or slash the tyres yeah. and right slurs on the windscreen with human yeah. substances. The thing is, <laughs> that, gen- that applies to whether you are human or an animal, because the pet's owner... Might decide to do that as well. Anyway, yeah, well, yeah, true. the startup in the UK is called Vet AI, and they have a pet pet care app called Joy, spelled J O I I, and that's launching this spring. The company was looking for a cute cat or dog to act as a brand ambassador, uh, and they came up with the idea of okay, we're going to have an AI, and we're going to you, we're going to perfect its neural network. So it will judge the first round of the competition and they trained it on a selection of pet photos that the team judged as either gorgeous or very gorgeous. So they're going to have a competition 
that decides on whether a pet is gorgeous or very gorgeous, where the judge will be an artificial intelligence. You remember that news? I don't know what news story. It might have been a news story going back a bit, where there was that boy who went oof, outrageous. Oh, you mean fierce? It's so fierce. You mean the Barbie advert? Fierce, yeah, that's it. <laughs> Basically made that into an AI, haven't they? Yes. <laughs> Which is the worst thing ever, frankly. I mean, we've had uh, we've had workaholic AIs, we've had Nazi AIs, we've had uh, um, you know, you've had we've had weirdly enough, I think, if I remember rightly, a morbidly obese AI. What's the point? I don't know. <laughs> what? what? What do you get from having an AI like this? What do you get from having an AI read the news over a person? Oh God! I, a news reader doesn't question what they're given; they just read it. Do you know what? Do you know what I've just realised? This AI is basically—it's kind of a cross between one of those uh, one of those judges from Crufts and RuPaul, isn't it? Who's RuPaul? You know RuPaul's Drag Race. What cars? No, drag queens. Never heard of it, sorry. You've never heard of RuPaul's Drag Race? I thought it was about drag cars, Rob. <laughs> I've heard of it, but I've never. I've only seen any words on, the, on a, a tweet or something. I always thought it was about drag cars. <laughs> oh. Clearly I was wrong. <laughs> yes, you were. <laughs> so very, very clearly wrong. <laughs> sorry. Uh, yeah, but uh, I just don't understand, like, this... Yeah, AI has its purpose um, yeah. for technology things, um, for sort of sustaining processes, and however it's factories or just I don't know some programming or whatever you know something in the background, something which isn't supposed to take focus, just to keep systems running. AI, that's where AI should be if you're going to have it. Yeah. But having AI news readers, like um, dog show hosts and judges, yep, what's the point? Exactly. It kind of does extend, though, because over in Japan, there was a bizarre event that happened. Well, I say bizarre. See, you know how people have anxieties about talking to other people, right? Some people have bigger, have real anxieties about talking to other people, even more so when it comes to finding a romantic partner, yeah? Yeah. Well, a Tokyo-based robotics association hosted a speed dating event where human participants sat in silence across a table from each other while tiny robots spoke on their behalf. Uh, what? <laughs> Basically, it's a speed dating event where you sit across from the person who you would normally be talking to in a normal speed dating event, but instead of you talking to them, your robot assistant and their robot assistant talk to each other. So basically, uh, it's like... Well, if it wasn't robots, it'd be more like speed dating with Furbies. This may be the most awkward event in the history of humankind. <laughs> Just a quiet, a deadly quiet room. Nervous people. And sort of a weird electronic chirps of a, like a sea of robots talking over each other in the exact same voice. <laughs> that is a weird image. Yes, it is. I mean, my idea was better yep. a few weeks ago. If yes. you never listened a few weeks ago, there was an idea that you get somebody to um, com- admit your crush on somebody, like a middleman, so to speak. I suggested get rid of that middleman and just make it a little robot to do it. Yeah, an adorable ro- little robot. Get Ibo to do it. Because yeah, Ibo's I, adorable. I, yes, yes, yes. But this is... It, I don't understand this. I mean, what's... People can talk to people 
if you give them an environment to make them feel at ease, to make them feel unpressured, the very idea of speed dating is high pressure. So you're putting these people who can't cope with pressure that they can't cope with over and over and over again for round and round and round and round. But instead of having them talk to each other, you have... Ro- it's There's literally no line of like, thinking about this that makes iota of sense. I know. You can't deal with public interaction. I'll know what I'll do. We'll put you in a room with 30 other people who can't deal with social interaction and see what happens. Oh, it's so dumb. You know, Match.com, I'm not putting out any adverts. Yeah. But Match.com have this thing where they have, like, singles cooking classes. Yes. Well, you just go and you cook and you relax and you start talking if you feel up to it, okay? Well, you just start talking to people and you get connections there. Yeah. even it's, if... not, it's, not, it's not pressure. I mean, you're just going to learn how to cook. If you meet someone, you meet someone. And the thing is, I actually applaud the cooking class idea. I think it's a brilliant idea for uh, um, getting people together. And I think... Speed dating. Speed yeah. dating just doesn't work. Well, speed dating was kind of... It, it's like late 80s, early 90s type stuff, isn't it? Yeah, it's like yuppies. No time. All go, go, go. Yeah, exactly. With their massive mobile phones and stuff like that. Yeah, this is just possibly the stupidest story we've had all year. Well, maybe not, because if you did find a, find a potential romantic partner and you invite them out for a coffee, maybe... Maybe, see, maybe it could be a very special coffee. A Dubai-based startup company has set its eyes quite literally on taking the roasting of coffee beans to new heights. And I mean quite literally. What they're doing at the top of like Kilimanjaro or something? No, much, much further than that. See, Anders Cavallini and Halim Al-Kafaji, the two founders of Space roasters believe mm. that the absence of gravity could be the secret to roasting coffee perfectly on Earth. So uh, they don't even know. No. <laughs> what they want to do is launch a capsule full of coffee beans into space, then use the heat generated by the atmosphere on re-entry to roast the beans. Here's a hint, Dubai startup. There's no gravity in space. No, but Your beans would go everywhere. They, no, they want a capsule. They want to fire a capsule into Earth orbit and have it descend. So as it's tumbling down, the beans all grind together and smash together and roast because of the heat outside the capsule. Then eventually it lands somewhere. Then, you know, it, it's it's something approaching Earth from outer space. There's no guarantees where it's going to land because it has no propulsion system or anything like that. And it might just explode, destroying everything. It's upon impact. It's a can of coffee beans. <laughs> Who in their right mind is so desperate for a perfect cup of tea or coffee, sorry, that they'd happily send their beans to space and back again? Well, here's the here's the That's insane. Well, here's the bit that confuses me a little bit, but also makes me think maybe there's some thought behind this. The two entrepreneurs met while studying space science at the International Space University in Strasbourg in France, and they bonded over the idea of reigniting the general public's interest in outer space, and they decided to do that with coffee. It just goes to show, you might be smart, but you can also be stupid. (laughs) Exactly. 
it adds more weight to my theory that the real geniuses aren't the ones that you know about. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's a, that's, a, that's a noble thing, getting people interested in yeah. the great beyond. That's, that's, that's fine. That's a fine ambition. But there Coffee? are better ways. Coffee? <laughs> really? Yeah. I think the, one, the, the thing that will get people interested in that with space is when the prices come down for high-altitude flights. And that's not a, that's nowhere near, like... Yeah, that's here. not feasible yet. Uh, anyway, anyway, anyway. Uh, our penultimate story. And normally we'd try and end on a story, uh, on some kind of heartwarming story about animals or something like that, as normal news shows tend to do. But this is the penultimate story about animals. And it's in India, in the Indian state of uh, Madhya Pradesh, where poppy farmers are forced to guard their fields day and night in a desperate attempt to fend off a large group of parrots that have become addicted to opium. <laughs> I'd like to hear what those parrots have to say. <laughs> <laughs> That's something, isn't it? <laughs> exactly. I mean, apparently the parrots appear like 30 to 40 times a day, steal a bunch of poppy, uh, poppy pods and, and run off with them. And like, You know, that's a nature documentary I'd love to see. Exactly. Just some poor, unsuspecting nature cinematographer sitting there all day waiting for some footage of the, the cokehead parrots. <laughs> It'd be something. All right. I wonder what it does to them behaviourally. I, I don't know, but uh, obviously they know where the good stuff is, don't they? <laughs> because, like, cocaine makes you sort of uh, high, just high energy. Yeah. High, go, 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 super speed. Like, um, it's like watching a movie on times ten, fast forward. That's what it does to people. Yeah. What it does to parrots, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It'd be interesting, you know, but, I mean, just that first... Parrot investigated. Yeah. Oh, hang on a minute. We're on something here. <laughs> exactly. Tells the uh, other parrots. All of a sudden, there's a gang. <laughs> the, the 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 comedy does continue, right? I don't know. It's probably not comedy for the farmers who are raising these uh, puppies in order to feed their families, in order to make money, feed their families, stuff like that. Yeah. And obviously, if this story is making the new the news in India, obviously this is a legal puppy farm yeah it's basically yeah. being used to process uh drugs for pharmaceutical companies so it's the raw materials for those it's not an illegal one where they're going to be you going to be you know uh used to make cocaine or something like that right they've tried using loudspeakers they've tried using firecrackers they've tried all sorts of things to keep the bear, the birds at bay and they've failed the farmers have had to appeal to local authorities but the appeals have fallen on deaf ears so the people have no choice but to guard the poppy fields day and night, but even so, the birds still come to get their fix dozens of times a day. That's making train spot and same kind of slow pace, isn't it? Exactly. <laughs> I wonder what visions they're saying. Uh, wasn't cocaine in train spot, but you know what I mean. <laughs> this is just a weird story. I mean, it could use the odd like, getting a bigger bird and a bigger bird and a bigger bird. But what if the bigger bird takes a like a uh, puppy, and the bigger bird does, and then the bigger bird does? Well, and then you just got like a, and then India is just full of like cocaine addicted animals. Thing is, parrots by their nature 
are uh, they're herbivores. They eat fruit and uh, plants and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, see? nuts and stuff. Yeah. So that means if you had, uh, see, I've I've just gone to a to a cocked up golden eagle now, because <laughs> if the parrot is getting high directly from the poppy seeds, from sorry, from the poppy fl- uh the poppy pods, right? If the parrot's getting high directly from that, that means it's got a massive amount of uh, of of uh, methadone or whatever it is up in its bloodstream. So if it gets eaten by an eagle or another bird of prey, does that uh, mean the bird of prey is going to be stoned? I feel for the I feel for the birds to be honest, because that come down is going to be some real harsh stuff. That's probably why they're attacking the field thirty to forty times a day. Because they got the come down, you know, and they're on the the downer, and it's just too much for them. It's too much, man. The world is too real, man. So instead of you know acknowledging their addiction and going to PA, that won't be A, would it? Sorry, PDA, PDA. I'm just like drug rehab for parrots is just yeah. Instead of acknowledging their addiction and being good members of society, you think nah? Sorry, still a V. We're just getting into this. Anyway, 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 final story, and I promised you Robocop right at the beginning. Hmm. Right? Here, how do I explain this? I don't understand the collaboration, but you know KFC has a secret recipe of 11 herbs and spices. So all the sir. Right. Yeah. And they kept it in a vault in their headquarters, but then they decided to move it to a particularly secure data center, Right. Now, who do you think they hired to make the delivery? And obviously, this is a publicity stunt, that the, the way they've done it. Obviously, it was done by a proper security company beforehand. But for the publicity stunt, who do you think they entrusted the secret recipe to? 45 cocked up parrots. No. They're terrible at keeping a secret. They entrusted it to Robocop wearing a Colonel Sanders-type goatee and wig. <sighs> what? <laughs> <laughs> Robocop delivered the secret recipe from the vault at KFC headquarters to a secure data center where it would be protected forever. And the data center is in Stockholm. So they had Robocop dress up in cosplay and move from Kentucky in America to Stockholm. I'm oh. pretty sure that Robocop was a police officer. Like I said, obviously it's a publicity stunt, and I can see it's clearly a publicity stunt, but even so. And it's not like it's a current reference, is it? Exactly. It's a 1990 um, Robocop, and if you want it, I mean, what's the sort of brand image they're going for here? I have no idea. I mean, this is just. Robocop, the first Robocop, anyway, was a horribly. Oh dear. Oh. oh dear. Well, we know what this week's image is going to be. Exactly. Oh dear. What sort of image? It's got Robocop shooting everybody. It's shooting arms off people, hands off people, making people melt fire, dropping acid on them. What sort of brand image is that, really? Exactly. This is why you shouldn't take advice from cocked up parrots. It does actually seem like uh, the uh, the parrots have been giving marketing advice to them, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> that's what you know when the the high they don't do anything; they just watch Robocop over and over and repeat. Oh my God, there's an image. It's like you know Gremlins. Yeah, I watched uh, Wizard of Oz. 
No, not Wizard of Oz. Uh, was it Wizard of Oz? I can't remember. It wasn't Wizard of Oz, was it? <laughs> I can't remember. I can't remember what movie they're watching, the original Gremlins. It's been a while since I've seen it. But yeah, just picture that scene, but it's just a lot of corked up parrots. I'm the the official name for this version of Robocop is Colonel Robocop. So he's still a robo. He's still a cop. He's still a cop, but I think the, the takeaway from that is they should whatever his secret is, he should be selling it to hair restoration companies because he has hair grown out of metal. <laughs> That's some serious hair growing there. It is. It really is. This is just... We've had this theme throughout the running of the show. I mean, KFC seemed to be a company. I think uh, Dr. Pepper had the uh, the tagline, what's the worst that could happen? Yep. Well, that seems to be their entire marketing strategy. So, ah, whatever. What's the worst that could happen? Do you know the thing that I like about KFC? Right. I like the fact that they're obviously not taking themselves far too seriously. <laughs> That's as clear as day. <laughs> You've got to you've got to take your hat off to them for you know for basically laughing at themselves. They're like, okay, look, it's outlandish, but we're going to go with it. It's not like that freaky thing that Burger King have, you know, the Burger King. Why is he wearing glasses? Burger King thing you were saying. Sorry, you know that creepy Burger King thing that uh, you know the the king the Burger King. The guy running oh, around, mascot, yeah, yeah, and it's not—it's nowhere near like Ronald McDonald. Yeah, um, I think keep the cocaine theme. When Ronald McDonald, you know, had a bit too much of the cocaine, he turned into it. <laughs> he did, but I mean, Colonel Robocop is just the best idea. It's unconventional, but fair play to him. You know, you're thinking outside the box. Most adverts you just don't remember whatsoever, but those ones are really special. Yep. They're your Judderman level adverts, them are. <laughs> and I think Colonel Robocop is a Judderman level advert. Yeah. Like, uh, You've Been Tangoed, which was rightfully banned because people were slapping each other in the ear as hard as they physically could. Yep. Yes, they were. Memorable advert, though. Not because of that, for other reasons. That's your lot for this week. Uh, we'll be back in a fortnight with more uh, weirdness from the worlds of science and technology and various other places like those. Yes, uh, if you want to support us in whatever way you can, give us a rating wherever you get your podcasts from. Alternatively, we have a Patreon, which you can get by going to thegeekshow.co.uk, clicking on the tab on the sidebar that says Become a Patron. Or while you're still there, um, check out some of the reviews. And if you like what's said in the review click on the box art at the bottom of the page buy it there and we'll get a little bit of a knockback which helps us in another way too absolutely um, but until next time with more news of a odd type um, I have been Falcon Sandwich and I've been Rob see you next time For over 28 years, Aflac has been a champion, donating over $168 million to fight pediatric cancer and blood disorders, including sickle cell disease. This December, Aflac proudly joins 97.1 Wash FM and Children's National Hospital for the annual Wash for Kids Radiothon. Mark your calendars for December 14th and 15th for a heartwarming 14-hour live broadcast where you can join Aflac in their efforts to support the miracle work happening at Children's National. Save the date, tune in, and be a part of something extraordinary with Aflac.